0: The employee Experience in Education podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Jonathan Cranford, in school suspension teacher and author of the book The Art of ISS. Today, Jonathan shares why having an effective in-school suspension program is essential for the well-being of both your students and your staff. Jonathan also shares why many teachers and administrators are frustrated with traditional ISS programs, why winning the day starts by winning the morning, and the necessary steps to transform ISS into an effective Tier 2 behavior strategy. Hey, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to hear about how you have made in-school suspension successful for both students and teachers. But before we get to that, do you mind talking about yourself a little bit and who should be paying attention today?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love the podcast. Very interesting, very different. Uh, I think you guys are the first I've I've found that is the uh, employee experience uh, that is very important now to to start looking at. Um, So I have been a teacher for 11 years now, uh, since the first seven years teaching high school English on a campus for students with emotional disturbance. And now the last four years as an in-school suspension teacher on two different campuses. And I think what's most important for your audience to know about me probably is that my wife and daughter are also school teachers. Uh, within the same district as myself, and uh, all of my friends are teachers. So when I came to in-school suspension, I already kind of knew what the uh, issues were, you know, from a teacher perspective, what they were looking for. Um, And, you know, I've always approached it from the angle of, you know, let me help these people who I'm closest with, uh, who are also happen to be doing the most difficult job of the world, which is teaching middle school, and how can I be a value add for them? How can I help them? In addition to obviously helping my students, because I'm you know I'm their teacher. Um, so, to, just to quickly briefly answer the question of who should be listening to this, my personal target audience uh, that I'm looking to it'd be you know administrators and higher. So principals and up is who I really need to get this message out to because. It speaks to everything that your podcast speaks to, right, which is, you know, retaining teachers, you know, changing the culture, all of those things that are very important right now. Um, so my first year as an in-school suspension teacher, uh, I can just tell you, you know, there is no, speaking to the employee experience, there is no training program for the in-school suspension teacher. There's no, uh, until now, until, you know, I, I, I created the workshop in the book, you know, there is no professional development. Uh, we are now having PLCs for the first time in my district, so we have 12 middle schools, five high schools, so we have in-school suspension PLCs for the first time. There's um, some folks that I worked with in the district to, to get that to, to happen, which is fantastic. But there was nothing, so I go in there and they're basically like, here's the keys, do your best, right? And because I came from a, a therapeutic campus where everybody has this label of emotional disturbance, I, sort of just, I just implemented these common sense rules and procedures that were common sense to me. And almost immediately I start getting feedback from these teachers. So my wife already worked on this campus. I came from a therapeutic campus. She's on a a standard middle school campus. I go there. Um, She's already there. She's a fantastic teacher. She's well-respected. She's the department chair of the math department. They don't know me at all. They're just, you know, I'm just the guy who's married to her. That was my first year on campus. And but immediately I start getting feedback from these teachers and they're like, hey, my student got all of their work done today in in-school suspension. How did you get them to do that? Question mark. And, or they would come up and be like, hey, they're caught up on everything. You know, they, they did more with you than they've done in, than they usually get done in a week. You know, what's going on? And I'm like asking them, like, is that, okay, is that uh, normal? Is that unusual? What's going on? And they're like, yeah, no, that's unusual. We, we don't usually see that. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is good. And then, you know, they're also uh, telling me that the children are having different conversations about in-school suspension. They they, they don't don't want to go back, but they're not hating me. They're just like, yeah, Mr. Cranford's cool, but, you know, in-school suspension sucks. I don't want to go back. And I'm like, okay, so this is good. That's my first year, right, on on campus. and, And it's going to become much more than that, but that was just year one. And I know that the kids aren't, you know, already at this point, they're not getting further behind in their schoolwork. They're not missing days of instruction because they're in ISS and they're not wanting to return to it, which is good. That's uh, a good thing. Uh, you'd be surprised how often we see the uh, kids wanting to go to ISS because it's just easier and more fun, whatever. They can you know, watch Marvel movies on their phone all day. and That's not happening in my room. So uh, then year two, what's really interesting is then the district starts to take notice And they start sending in a few people at first, like a couple behavior specialists to look and observe uh, some other ISS teachers to see uh, what a model ISS room looks like. And then at one day, they bring in like this other district that is trying to – that they're mentoring in in PBIS implementation, so another district to the south of us. And this day, I have like nine people in my – I have almost as many people in my in-school suspension room as I have teachers – as I have students, sorry. Almost many teachers as I have students in there observing, and I'm like, what is going on here? This is more attention than I attention than I've ever received in my entire career as a, as a school teacher. So, so I start ask naturally I start asking questions. I'm, hey, is there any other uh, you know campuses that are doing ISS like this? And they're like, well, then nobody's doing what you're doing exactly. And I say, okay, that's interesting. So uh, because I'm in a school district in the Houston area, it's uh we're we're surrounded by like 50 other districts around. Uh, Houston Independent School District. We're not in Houston Independent. We're one of the medium-sized districts surrounding, you know, orbiting that giant district. Uh, I think it's fourth largest in the country or, or fifth. Uh, but I know teachers in all of these districts, you know, all around us. And so I start asking them questions. I'm like, "Hey, uh, so what's ISS like on your on your campus?" And you either when you ask around, you either get one of two responses. They'll say, "Oh, god, it's a joke. The kids love to go there." Uh, or they'll tell you, well, I think it, our ISS teacher's good. Uh, but then when you dig a little deeper and say, well, how do you get work to them? And, you know, do, does it come back? And how, how is there, you know, how is the quality of work that's coming back to you? And they'll be like, oh, we don't really expect work to come back. But we just have them, you know, he makes them sit there all day and they don't like it. Or, you know, they're, he makes them be quiet. And so, you know, I know that's not school, right? That's just children sitting in a room doing time, you know, in a holding tank inside of the school. At this point, I realized like okay, so this is this is not just happening you know locally in my district This is happening everywhere and then I do some research online and now I realize, oh wow, this problem is national. this is everywhere you know we're not we're not seeing uh, what we need to see and, and if you look at the data, you're going to see that you know ISS in, out of, in in school suspension is right there with out of school suspension as far as the efficacy it's just it's not helping anybody. you know you might as well just send them home for the day because they' it's not any better so I look at the data and I realize, oh, I know why it's that way. I understand why the, the data is coming back that way. And uh, so I decided, like, look, they just need to implement a program. So I, I, that's what made me or caused me to write the book, The Art of In-School Suspension. And and now at this point, now start a company that, that does PDs. Yeah,
0: that's fascinating. And the, the whole idea of, you know, ISS is done traditionally just because it's a room where kids can hopefully not get in trouble. But the extension of that is, no, let's make them successful. Let's catch up on work. Let's make sure they don't want to come back. So it's it's effective in the moment for a couple of reasons. One, homework completion. Two, behavior management. Three, preventing them from hopefully coming you know, back to ISS in the future. Um, so Jonathan, I know you have a rich history working with students with emotional needs, difficulties with behavior. I'm curious, what in your background made you want to serve students in that capacity?
1: Oh, wow. Well. That was actually just my first entry into education. I didn't start off wanting to be a special education teacher. The way it works uh, here in Texas and many other states from what I understand now is uh, most of the teachers are coming from alternative certification programs, correct? So at least 60% I think was the last I checked. Uh, I came from an alternative certification program and I remember in that program, This was back when, you know, uh, it was harder to get the teaching job. It's not like it is now where we have a shortage. Uh, They would tell us, hey, get your special education certification because it'll make you more hireable. So I followed them and uh, I followed that advice and I had a special, a SPED certification. And my first uh, long-term teaching gig was, I was a long-term sub. Uh, It was actually what we call developmental or we used to call developmental. I'm not sure if we call it that now, on that therapeutic campus. So there was a long-term sub in a room for a teacher who had left mid-year, I think, and so I took over that room, and that was basically, my principal told me that was my interview for uh, working on that campus, and if I wanted a job to come back next year, so I just sort of fell into it. It wasn't something I was initially drawn to, but I stayed seven years, and most people don't make it three at that school, uh, just because the behavior needs are very intense. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I tell people, and, they, and, and they, all, uh, they all, their eyes go wide sometimes, but I'm like, those kids put me in, uh, sent me to the ER twice just in my last semester. You know, one for a bite and the other one uh, because he physically attacked me and I had to go uh, get, a, um, <clears throat> get an x-ray just to make sure that my back was okay. But that was a normal semester. You know, that was my last semester teaching at that campus. On, you know, and, and we understand, you know, therapeutic campuses are different, the, the emotional disturbance. Uh, every single student there had a label of emotional disturbance. A lot of them came from uh, residential treatment centers. They would be in and out of uh, hospitals for um, mental health issues. So uh, that was a very intense campus. Uh, but that's what I came from. But it, honestly, it, it made it uh, to where in-school suspension was, was an easy gig after
0: that. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, not going to the hospital every day or a couple times per semester. <laughs>
1: Not in four years. Yeah. So
0: how how do you then go from falling into working in an environment like that to writing a book about ISS? Those two things, those two paths don't seem to converge. What's the convergence there?
1: Well, I had written a book previously in uh, 20, I think it came out in 2018. It had nothing to do with uh, education, really. Um, But it did really well. It's, It's a bestseller. And if you Google my name, you'll find it. Um, and it was about my own personal, uh, my own personal struggle with, uh, f- uh, an eating disorder, food, emotional eating, uh, with a touch of binge eating disorder, <laughs> as you could call it. Um, so I've been in recovery for the, with that, for, from that for a long time, but that's a bestseller that still sells every day. And I wasn't really thinking about writing a book, but that day that I mentioned where I had all these people in my classroom was the day it sort of dawned on me that like, oh, this, nobody knows how to do this. That's the problem. And it's funny, I talk to you know, other teachers and other and administrators, and everybody thinks that they can, that they could run an ISS room, right? Everybody, because it seems like it should be easy, right? But it's not that intuitive, uh, and it, it's a completely different skill set from teaching. So, and it gives you a very interesting view of the entire campus as well. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's not what folks think it is if you want to run a successful one. And so that's why I wrote the book, because I was just like, OK, so we need to educate people on how to do this properly so that we can make the lives of our teachers easiest, be- easier. Because like I said earlier, uh, you know, I, 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 you have to be of two minds about it, right? It's not just helping the students, which is fantastic. Uh, I love in school suspension for that reason. Uh, but it's also about, you know, what are my teachers getting out of this? What are the other folks on, on camp? I mean, I'm a teacher, but what are the other teachers who I'm supporting getting out of this? And you have to think of it that way. How do I support these guys?
0: Yeah, and I, I think back to my own time as an administrator, um, You know, I was involved in a lot of the behavior conversations in my school, um, PBIS implementation to speaking with the police, everything in between. And what I'll refer to as discipline took up so much of my time, but I also know it took up so much of my teacher's time as well. And as you know, and you mentioned at the beginning, the the overall employee experience, student behavior is such a a lever in how that employee experience is, right? And there's communication with parents and there's, I mean, there's just so much involved in discipline. So before we get to your approach on ISS, I'm curious, can you share what you've seen teachers most need related to student behaviors? So as you're thinking about that, the, the teacher experience here specifically, how, how can we help teachers with behaviors?
1: Right. I can give you that. And I'll give you a little bit of a, my view of the admin perspective and see if you agree with me on it since you have that uh, experience and I don't but I I have a feeling I understand what it is Uh, and so and I've already given you my perspective on what it is to be an ISST the employee experience of an in-school suspension teacher is like here you go here's the room right that's that's basically what it is so uh, yeah make sure 10 kids go in and 10 come out And, and, and and we're happy with that that's all that's that's the expectation right so from a teaching perspective, uh, or a teacher's perspective, who's not an in-school suspension teacher, say they're uh, an ELA teacher or a math teacher, uh, here's, here's what they're seeing and what their issue is. Uh, so behaviors are already more difficult. They're, they're, they're increasing. I think that uh, some of that is on us for you know, not having great, there's a million factors, obviously. There's so many factors involved in student behavior, but also us not having a tier two, effective tier two intervention like the in-school suspension program that I run is not helping. And then for, so from a teacher perspective, they say you, you've got some behaviors in your classroom and you have to deal with them. The first thing you do is you implement your own classroom uh, you know rules and procedures, that's tier one, and then you have some sort of behavior intervention ladder. And then it gets to the point where you're gonna have to do a write-up with the kid after you've gone through all these steps and documentation. And you have to contact a parent, at least that's the law uh, where where I come from before you send this write up. Then you send the write up and you've already done a lot of work at this point. I mean, you've had to make a phone call, you know, which you cannot really even it's, it's hard to do that during your work hours. So now you're, you know, you're spending extra time outside that you're not going to pay for to to do this. And then that write up goes to an administrator. Administrator has to spend a whole bunch of their time on it, do an investigation. They have to contact a parent if they decide to, uh, to assign in school suspension. So there's two folks making phone calls now. And then the kid goes to in-school suspension. If you have an ineffective in-school suspension program, then what happens is that student comes back to your classroom and they are uh, either, you know, they may have been rewarded for this bad, it may have been uh, in uh, incentivized because they enjoyed their time in in-school suspension, which is a huge problem. Or they just, you know, they didn't, it wasn't really a, a targeted behavior intervention at all. And now they're also one to three days behind in instruction. So now you've just recruited, You've just created more work essentially for yourself having to deal with the student, and there's been no the behaviors have not been addressed. Nothing's been addressed. They just gave you a, a one to three day break from the kid, but now you have to make all that up on the back end, right? So that's stressing people out more than anything. Is that you just it just makes us seem like we have no intervention that is that is capable of working with these kids. Um, we know if we suspend them, it's about the same thing because you know they're just going to go home and play video games or, or, or watch YouTube. So, that's kind of what you're looking at from a teacher perspective on what uh, their experience with the ISS room is. If they have an ineffective one, if they have an effective one like mine, it's a little bit different. Uh, What's well, a lot different and from an administrator's perspective? Let me, you know, I already kind of touched on it. You have already have an impossible job because you have to, uh, you know, you have to do so many walkthroughs per year, and the number is pretty fairly incredible if you look at what you're, you know, how many times you have to, how many touches you have to make per teachers. You have to have a pre-conference and then you have to have a couple walkthroughs and then you have to have a formal evaluation. Uh, you know, if you multiply that times 20 teachers or whatever, now you're looking at, you know, X number of hours. And if you did one a day from here until the end of the year, you still wouldn't have enough time to get it done. And that's just one part of your job, right? So that is, uh, the job is already very intense from your perspective. And then you throw behavior in there. And now you've got all these other things you have to do regarding behavior. And if you're looking at a Title I campus with high behavior, the job for an assistant principal is literally impossible to do well, to get everything done. Uh, let's just be honest. So it's, it's more and more increasingly difficult for, minute, for, 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 for teachers. From my perspective, what I see with the assistant principals is that it's almost impossible. So, so you, get the, you do the write-up. Uh, or sorry, you, you investigate the write-up, you're the assistant principal or the administrator. You then, uh, you know, you, you administer discipline, you send a kid to ISS. Obviously, there's no good outcome <laughs> with that because the ISS was is ineffective. Teachers are getting uh, more frustrated because they feel like you don't have an answer. You stop Really, you just kind of waffle between your your the tools that you have, which is OSS and ISS when it gets to the tier two level. And you know that what you're doing isn't really helping. So you're becoming frustrated. The teachers are becoming frustrated with you because they feel like unsupported because there's no uh, there's no effective intervention or tool that you have to do anything about. And you're so overwhelmed that a lot of times you're just putting in, oh, I did a conference with the student um, because I didn't have really have time to do anything else, honestly. And, you know, that's that's sometimes I see that. Happening, And it's just, you know, it's just this vicious cycle that's creating tension between the teachers and administrators and it's driving teachers out on that. And it's driving the administrators out, too, if if we're being perfectly honest. Um, So that's that's my interpretation of it, the way I see it on uh, on on different campuses. Uh, Is that does that sound accurate?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's what's interesting is from a teacher's perspective, this one student is my top concern. Right? I have maybe one or two, whatever number, insert number of kids, behavior wise, that's your top concern. And then from an administrator perspective, you have that one teacher times 20, 30, 50, whatever that number of teachers is. So you have now 70 top concerns. You have 100 top concerns. And those are outside of of what your typical, you know, here are my responsibilities. Behavior is part of that, but there's everything else. So there's a, there's a weird kind of dichotomy of, What are my priorities as an administrator? I don't want to undervalue you as a teacher because I know that this one behavior is a huge concern, but to me, I have that concern plus so many other concerns and that's a really tight, it's a a tight rope. You have to walk almost every day because the fires you're trying to put out never go away. The fires just keep adding up. And it's this idea of again, prioritizing what's the number one concern. How do I communicate with teachers? If your number one concern is my number 70, how do I communicate to you that you are important, your problem is important, but I can't get to it. I have no time. I have no capacity to get to it right now. It's impossible. Yeah, it is. So let's talk about how school leaders can help. What What is a productive and meaningful conversation between a teacher and an administrator discussing individual student behaviors include? So how, how can school leaders help their teachers, the ones that have, you know, I have a behavior concern that's number one how can school leaders help their teachers who are struggling with the behavior of individual students?
1: To be fair, I don't think you have, uh, like I said, you don't have a tool to address the behavior. So if we don't have an effective tier two intervention, if we don't have an effective in-school suspension room, then we're just playing school. And that's all that conversation is, to be to be perfectly honest. You know, so I wish I had a better answer for you. I mean, we could go through the steps of how we can make that teacher feel better, how we can address their needs. But at the end of the day, you don't have a solution and they don't have a solution. And that's the problem. And we're all supposed to have a solution, right? Um, And and frankly, you know, there's a lot you can do in your classroom when it comes to classroom management. Uh, There's a lot of things you can, you know, an administrator can do to uh, help. But at some point, if you really don't have uh, a targeted behavior intervention that the children are actually like, okay, yeah, I want to avoid this then you don't have anything. You're literally playing school at this point. Uh, and they, get, they catch on to it fairly quickly. So, you know, there's a lot of different types of kids in the world, and they're all fine. They're all just kids. You know, I've worked on Title I campuses where uh, teachers are refusing to go in the in-school suspension room. And I'm like, wow, what's going on here? You know, And then they send me in, and I'm like, this is going to be rough. You know, what's going on? And then it's, it's, we have a normal day because they're just kids. You know, there's no reason to be afraid of these kids no matter what they are, but we, uh, but we, we categorize them into tier one, tier two, uh, those sort of categories, right? And here's what I can tell you about some of those tier two folks. They have a different, uh, they've, they've, you know, they've had a different experience in school and they have these behaviors that have been serving them for a very long time. And what happens is it doesn't matter how much positive reinforcement you get. You don't just stop doing all that stuff at 14 because, you know, you, you know, somebody uh, gave you, you know, a compliment or, you know, said, hey, you're doing really great. Let's keep that up. That's not exactly how it works. There has to be some sort of consequence for your behaviors. And the reason is so that you can associate your that behavior with a consequence because that's what those folks need. Not necessarily some draconian consequence that is gonna be, uh, you know, that is, that is terrible for them. Um, it actually should be something that actually gives them more support. Something that where they, they go into, you know, their, their consequence, but they're getting more support than they would in a normal classroom, academically, socially, um, social, emotional, all of that stuff. And that's what ISS should be. So if you look at like, say a tier, what we call a tier one type student, if they, if they send them to my ISS room, they you know, they, one day, they're probably not going to come back all year. You know, they're just, they're going in there. They already, just the fact that they receive that level of consequence is usually enough for them to be like, hey, all right, I really messed up. I'm not coming back. That's a tier one. Most of the positive, you know, uh, PBIS stuff, the, inter- the positive uh, reinforcement, the rewards, the school store, all that stuff, that works fairly well. And that's why it's tier one, right? And We call those tier one level students. Uh, a tier two... They're going to be like, hey, all this stuff is great, but I have these other behaviors that I'm you know, using to communicate a need that is not going to be fulfilled just by this. Like I said, they're, you know, they don't just stop doing it because of those Tier 1 supports. They need a Tier 2 intervention, and that Tier 2 intervention needs to be something that's like, okay, wow, I got a lot of support, but I also don't want to return. And that's what I do with in-school suspension. Uh, you know, I end up working, spending a lot more time working one-to-one with these kids uh, I get a, I get an eternity with my learners compared to a regular classroom teacher. Like I'll work three hours one to one with one student sometimes. If I you know if, and and most of my students get at least you know forty five minutes of you know to an hour of one to one time with me depending on the size of the room and what behaviors we're seeing that day. Uh, but it's still more when you look at it. It's it's so much more than what uh, a a regular classroom teacher can can give to their students even in a, in a school year. Like I've worked. Uh, three hours with one kid on a math, uh, just on, on uh, his math assignment, and then going back and filling gaps in his, his learning, that things, skills that he missed in sixth grade, skills that he missed in fifth grade. And in that, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at the numbers, there is basically no way that a classroom teacher has that amount of time, even in a full year, to spend with a student, because it's 22 kids, you know, 45 minutes of class. Um, times eight classes, they just don't have the time. But uh, the, the beauty of ISS, and why, which is why I tell people that I'm I'm passionate about in-school suspension, and they look at me like I'm a weirdo when I say that, is because I literally get so much time with the kids and, it, and it's so fulfilling. Um, it's not what people think. People Folks think that I'm in there dealing with behaviors all day long, and it's really not. I have a system where I don't really deal with very many behaviors. I just spend a lot of time working one-to-one with kids who have a really high need for it. And that's what they need. They need... A, a kid coming back to them that is now uh, either caught up or they they haven't lost any instruction, and they've had a behavior intervention. And at the end of the day, they got some hopefully some they learned something about themselves. You know what we call social emotional learning, um, and that's that's what I'm looking to. That that's what I do. And that's what my teachers are, are expect from me now that i that I've earned that from them. Um, if you're an administrator and that's what you have, that's a very different conversation than. Well, let's give them ISS. I can't tell you, you know, what are you going to do? I'll give them ISS for three days if you want. Sometimes I've had, to, I've, I've met administrators that have admitted to me that are just like, yeah, what do you want me to do with the kid to the teacher? I'll support you in any way. I'm at the point where you just tell me what you want. I'll suspend them for three days if you want. I'll give them 20 days at the alternative center. You know, like, what do you want me to do with the kid? They're, they, and that's, you know, they're trying to support their teachers in that because they know, you know, that's the only way they can. They're like, hey, you pick. You know, that's, that's how I'm going to be supportive at this point. You pick because uh, I don't know what to do either.
0: Yeah. So from, a, from an employee experience perspective, that lens, what happens if we don't get behaviors right? So typical ISS class doesn't work. What are, the, what are the dominoes that fall? If I'm a teacher, if I have an ISS room, it's not working well. What does that mean for me and my experience?
1: It I means you're not going to want to stick around, right? So let me uh, let me illustrate it for you. I can tell you because I've, I've seen this before uh, firsthand. So if you have an in-school suspension room that is not functioning, then the options to the administrator are, again, uh, an effective in-school suspension or OSS. And when I ask people, let me just start by telling you, when I ask people what their minimum expectation of an in-school suspension is, they're like, well, at minimum, it should be a consequence for bad behavior. And... It's actually the bar is quite a bit lower than that. At minimum, it needs to be uh, to not be rewarding or reinforcing bad behaviors. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because if you go into an in-school suspension room where it's been rough and uh, the teacher, or the administrator, or the, uh, the in-school suspension coordinator, if you, whatever title they have, has given up essentially is just trying to run, you know, uh, just trying to survive the day every day then they're, they're letting the kids do what they want as long as they're quiet a lot of the time. They, they, they default to that. Well, just be quiet. Don't don't cause any problems. And y'all can do what you want. And so they're on their school-issued laptops playing video games. They're on their phones listening to music. They're watching movies, watching Marvel movies on the phone, you know, just whatever they want to do. And that's pretty awesome. It's But it's reinforcing, you know, it's awesome from the student's perspective, right? It's, it's like, this is great, but it's reinforcing those negative behaviors. So uh, from a... Now, from a teacher's perspective, you know, when that happens, what happens is, it, you know, the, the, the behaviors are reinforced. The, they go back to class, not any better. In fact, they, they're, they're emboldened now because they have realized that, oh, this is actually pretty cool going to ISS for a day. Uh, you know, I don't, it's, I don't fear it. I certainly don't fear In fact, sometimes I want to go because I'd rather be in there than go to that Spanish class that I hate or whatever, you know, class I'm struggling with. And so now what you see is the behaviors begin to metastasize even to other classrooms where the teacher has better classroom management or a better relationship with students. You see more hallway behaviors. You basically have a free-for-all and you're trusting the students to self-regulate because there is no consequence. You can see how that starts to affect the culture of the building, how that begins to affect the, you know, the relationships between the administrators and the teachers and the teachers and the students, and it just goes everywhere. And it kind of can get out of control on you.
0: Yeah, for sure. So can you walk us through what what is your ISS system look like? I know you have a system, you have a process you laid out beautifully in the book, which I think is a a extremely valuable resource for anybody that leads an ISS room or is working with teachers in ISS. So what, what is your system and process?
1: Certainly. So the first part, the first layer of it, I I call infrastructure. So the infrastructure of the ISS room, you've got two parts to it, which would be the physical infrastructure, how the room is laid out. You know, are the desks all numbered uh, in a way so you can keep organized? uh, How are they facing? Is the room set up for success for the teacher and for the students? Um, Is it set up so that it's going to be, you know, they're not going to be encouraged to talk to one another? Uh, because they're not allowed to talk to each other in my in-school suspension room. But so, I, and I also set up the desks in a way that makes it so that they're not like you know facing or right next to each other, that sort of thing. Um, and then the digital uh, part of the infrastructure for me is what I call the I, I, you saw as the spreadsheet system. So, this how am I getting work to and from teachers, and how am I communicating with those school teachers uh, that I'm that I'm having to work with every day? And you'd be surprised about how much of the job is email. Uh, There's a guy I trained, my protege and my business partner in the um, Art of ISS um, uh, consulting that we do now. Uh, One of the first things, the first week of school uh, after I trained him and he was working on his campus was, hey, man, this job is mostly email, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, in the beginning, it's a lot of email because you're communicating. um, You know, if you have say you have eight students in there, that's you know, eight students times eight teachers. Uh, and you've got to make sure that you, you know, if, if they're not all putting the work in the spreadsheet, like they're supposed to, or, you know, you have questions about it because they didn't explain it properly. Uh, you have to send out a lot of emails in the beginning of the year. There's a little bit of that, uh, just to get everybody on the same page. But, uh, this, the system use works fairly well. You know, there's, there's a spreadsheet that's available to all the teachers that they can edit it. You know, we use a Google sheet, but there's other, you know, whatever you can put on your school's internet. And, uh, they, uh, they can, it's it's basically, it has each student's name on it. And then, and then it's also divided out in columns of sub by subject. So every teacher can just see the kid's name and then find their subject and they put their the work for the day in there. And that's how, that's how I communicate mostly with the teachers is on that spreadsheet. And then I have to send out a few emails uh, for, you know, maybe somebody forgot or didn't, didn't you know, uh, or didn't, you know, get the email uh, that they have, a ch- the, the notification that they have a kid in ISS. Um, but at the beginning of the year, if you put the work in, uh, usually, you know, I let them know what the system is uh, going to be. The, 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 the administrator will give me 10 minutes to get up and you know in front of the, when we're doing those professional development trainings at the beginning of that whole first week of school, um, I'll get up there and I'll show them and walk them through the process and also let them know like, hey, look, if, uh, you know, if you're used to not getting work back from in-school suspension and them just losing, you know, just, just being a total loss of instruction, I'm here to tell you that those days are done, you know, just make sure I get the work and I'll make sure that you're taken care of. And so that helps, you know. But I, but a lot of times you have to, you have to earn that from them because they're so used to it not being, uh, you know, not getting anything back, you know, not maybe not even sending work or being asked to send work, or you know, or, or not getting anything until like fifth period. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, I was supposed to send something. Okay, you know, here, here you go. Um, you know, I earn that from my teachers by getting the work back to them completed and showing them that, you know, yeah, no stuff's going on in here. Um, so that's the first part. That's the infrastructure. That's what you need to be to, to lay the groundwork to be successful. And then I have structure, and structure is really just your uh, you know your rules, your how the classes run from moment to moment. What is your behavior system? You know your your behavior ladder essentially uh, for dealing with behaviors because it's different than a regular teacher. You got them for all day. You got them you know eight hours. So I've seen it's funny. I've seen teachers. Uh, in school suspension teachers, where you know, the first redirection, they're like, Hey, I'm gonna write you up. And I'm like, Really? Where are you gonna go from there, man? If they're like, You know, okay, write me up, it's the first period. Where are you gonna, are you gonna go? So, uh, you know, we have a different system where that, you know, you have a different redirection and documentation system. And, and that's where some of the art of in school suspension comes in, right? I titled the book The Art of In School Suspension, and there is an art to it. And your redirection is, is definitely married to your documentation and how you. Uh, respond to every single thing that's going to happen. And that's what I try to do is make it to where uh, you understand, and especially in the workshops where we can dive deeper into it and and give the teacher some training. Uh, But the book lays it out also fairly well. Um, Because that's where things fall apart is, you know, as soon as the teachers, you know, who aren't as experienced with behaviors get some pushback, then everything just kind of falls apart because they really don't know what to do. Right. They're not ready with a response. So they aren't prepared to give a neutral response to that student. You know, they may get into a uh, power struggle or something. And that's just, you know, that's that's the end of it. So uh, you don't have time for that. You know, you just have to know what your response is going to be to everything that happens. And I try to lay that out fairly well. So that's your structure. If you lean on your structure and accountability in in in-school suspension, then that opens up all of your time uh, to be able to work one-on-one or, you know, small group even or just whatever to give them that academic time that they need. And I often talk about it or think of it in terms of in-school suspension is almost like a, a... more of an academic intervention that's wrapped in a behavior or discipline, you know, uh, dressing or, or, or disguise because, you know, I'm not being mean to them or rude to them ever. You know, I never raise my voice. I never, I'm a soft spoken man. You know, if I can do this, anybody can do this. Um, I, it is really just, you know, being there in that room, uh, mostly just, you know, you're only really just working, you're getting a lot of support, but it's not fun. You know, it's not a fun day. We have a lot of support and, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations with the kids around academics and, and they're getting some positive reinforcement from me while we're working, as long as they're working while we're working and and, and uh, working together or while they're doing independent work, they're getting that positive reinforcement from me. They're not getting any energy when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, not negative or positive. It's just neutral. Uh, and uh that that you have that option, the the ability to do that if your structure and accountability are there, is what I'm trying to say. And then uh, from there, I think you know we uh, we we layer in at the end the SEL, you know, social emotional learning or uh, restorative circle, depending on the size of the class. You know, we bring in that stuff at the end of the day. And, uh, and even, there's even a reward at the end of the day if, you, uh, if you've only gotten one redirection all day long. So that's, that's the basic structure of, of how I run my in-school suspension room. And I have a friend, my, like I said, my partner in doing these workshops, is uh, he's running one on a Title I uh, campus right now. I worked on the same campus for the first three years, and now I'm at a, a, at a campus that is, does not get Title I funding. Um, but he's, he took over over there and they actually expanded the in-school suspension room, but they gave him a paraprofessional. And to me, that is now the model, should be, in my opinion, the model for a Title I in-school suspension room because even though the behaviors are more, he's getting even more time uh, to work one-to-one with those students with the addition of the para. It's like the para is becoming more the eyes and ears and, and, and taking care of a lot of the stuff that you would have to kind of keep one eye on while you're working with kids and now he is almost just completely freed up to work one-to-one with kids all day long and he is just exhausted at the end of the day because he's like we just drill 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 all day long and i'm like hey man that's awesome he's like but you know but there's also you know you don't take anything home with you which is really cool being a in school suspension teacher so it's a lot of work during the day but it's not like I have to worry about grading papers or, you know, I don't take anything home with me. I'm, you know, I don't have to worry about grades at the end of semester So there's, there's some perks to it, but you know, they're also my incentives for doing the job. Well, you know, like I, I'm not under the same amount of stress and workload at least outside of the classroom as my other teachers are. Um, so I have to give hundred percent while I'm in there.
0: So there are three kind of behaviors that you talk about, uh, in the book. I'd love for you to expand a little bit on each of them. One being redirections, how do you approach redirecting kids when they're in your ISS room?
1: Uh, So, well, like I said, I give a neutral response. So there is not an emotional side of it. You know, after I've laid out the, um, I call it when the morning, when the day there, Um, I probably should have mentioned that when we were talking about the layers of of an in-school suspension room. But yeah, when the morning, when the day is you lay out your rules and expectations in the morning. I don't have kids copy the rules. I don't believe in busy work. We don't do anything like that. And we've got plenty of work to work on. We've got plenty of skills to, to, to look at uh, throughout the day. And so, um, you know, we, we uh, get the, uh, the, the tone of the day established right at the beginning. You know, we establish the tone and, and the rules and structure so they know what that's going to be. There's no surprises for them. And there's none coming from me. And I even have a line where I tell them, look, I am only going to redirect your behavior and document it. I'm not going to raise my voice at you. I'm not going to be angry with you ever. Uh, if you want to curse me out, uh, please make it interesting because all I'm going to have for you is just documentation. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to yell back at you or or have a response. And, And it's not an emotional thing. You have to be able to, uh, part of the art, right, is, you know, you have to be able to, to practice not having an emotional response to other people's behaviors, especially kids, right? And I get to practice that every day. That's something that I look at is I get to practice not having an emotional response to someone who is clearly, you know, uh, maybe insulting or just not doing what they're supposed to be doing or trying to be frustrating or whatever. And I've looked at that as a very valuable skill, you know, as, as an adult to cultivate is not having an emotional response to the things that are going on around you. And it's a necessary one, if you're going to be the in-school suspension teacher, because you're going to run into things where you would, they're wanting to provoke an emotional response from you. That's what they're trying to do because that behavior is serving them in some way. They don't get that from me. They'll see that, you know, you're not having an emotional response. You're just having a redirection. Hey, you're doing this rule. Right? You're, 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 you're breaking this rule, and all the rules are posted very large in my, in my classroom. So there's no need to write them down uh, unless it's as a consequence. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just address it. I, I name what it is, and I say I have to give you a redirection for this, and then we document it, and then we <clears throat> move on to the next one. Now, I also have what I call documentation or, or behavior clusters. So if you look at the way, it's, uh, the way my documentation is set up, you know, we have a verbal warning first, then we have an in-class consequence, and then we have a strike. And all of those are documented on, on a spreadsheet that I use uh, to, to keep track of behaviors if we have them. Um, and you have a three strikes and you're out policy. So I should mention, I guess, before all of that, I should have mentioned that, you know, the three strikes doesn't mean you're kicked out or you're OSS. <clears throat> I let them know, you know, the only thing I have for you is more in-school suspensions. So I have a deal with my APs that if you don't successfully complete your day of in-school sus- suspension, you're going to have another one. So that's all I got for you, you know, and you're going to be back. I'm actually asking for them to come back. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to get rid of this child or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 give them back to me. You know, like they belong in here until they have until they've really kind of felt that, oh, OK, no, no, I don't want to come back here. Right? I don't want to do another day of this. And I can tell you, honestly, a day of in-school suspension with me isn't really bad for most kids. They're like, yeah, that wasn't so bad if it's one day. By day three, it's brutal. Day three, it just got old. They just want to go. You know, it's just like, well, that wasn't it's not like it's it's grueling or mean, or he's making us do, you know, anything other than just do our schoolwork. It's just, there's really not much else going on and it's not a good time. So I'm by day three, they're just ready to get out. Right. So, so we go along that, you know, verbal warning in class consequence strike model. And even within that, you know, if I give you a redirection for something, uh, for some behavior, say you're, you know, you're talking to another student or you're having an outburst, I'll redirect it. And then if you, try to escalate or whatever I'm not going to just go right to the next thing because like I said why are we going to get now we're getting into a power struggle now we're getting into that you know that movie The Breakfast Club where he's like oh you're going to get another day of you know uh detention another one and now I got you for until you're 30 or whatever you know that scene is really great because it's like you can just escalate but at some point if the kid doesn't care you know they don't see anything happening you know that, or they they're just not afraid of the the consequence or they just you know they just they want to. they're in that mode where they're not they don't care about anything. And so they're not thinking about the future. They're just angry and emotional. And they see you getting angry and emotional and they're responding to that. Then it's just going to escalate and, and, and nobody gets anywhere, really. And, and you're limited in what you can do anyway. I mean, I can't really honestly get a kid more than one or two extra days of school suspension before it becomes an issue. Right. The, the administrators, you know, they're, they're only going to give me one more day or so. So, uh, so you know, we just we go through that, that whole process, but we don't we don't escalate ever. You know I just say well if you're gonna you know talk backward I'm gonna document that and I'm gonna say you know what I'm gonna give you five minutes to get yourself back together and you know and I'll document that five minutes wait time um, before we go on to the next consequence and then and then we're on you know after you know a couple of minutes five minutes or so um, you know I'll check back in with the student and if this behavior is still continuing then I'll you know then I'll give the next redirection. So what happens a lot of the time is by the time you get to maybe if you have a kid who's this is a rare case honestly even at a title one uh, campus, you don't have a lot of kids who are giving you so many problems that you're, you know, that you're, you're looking at, you know, getting another day uh, if you're doing things right, if you're running the system correctly. But if you do have a kid who is just they don't care, and their goal is to get, uh, you know, is to to get those three, re, those three strikes and, and and beyond that, and they just want to see what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of people are afraid of that. I'm not. It's just, it's very simple. You know, you just keep, you know, going through your system and a lot of times with all the wait time and everything, you know, we're at maybe two strikes by the time it's lunchtime and then I'll have a talk with them and be like, Hey man, look, it's already lunch, you know, or maybe even after lunch and we're at two strikes, but you haven't lost your whole day. You can still salvage this. Do you want to do some work, you know, and, and maybe work one on one with me, like get some stuff done today so that you can and by that time they're usually like do I really want to be in here for another you know whole day after I've already been here for five hours and this guy's not even you know kicking me out or or yelling at me or having a, a, a an emotional response to what I'm doing and it's not that hard if you can just if you just keep in mind that you know they're just kids and when it comes to the ability to communicate you and this person are on two completely different galaxies when it comes to your ability to communicate. They're communicating with their behavior because they don't understand how to communicate anxiety, frustration, depression, you know, all of those things. And, you know, you're an adult and you're supposed to be able to communicate and understand all those things, but we forget that, right? So just always coming to it, you know, trying to to look at it as assuming positive intent. You know, this person is giving me attitude probably to mask some sort of insecurity or, you know, they're giving me, you know, they're doing, they're doing work avoidance because, you know, they're either insecure or they've given up on themselves or, you know, they, they feel like it's insurmountable what they've, they've missed the first 12 assignments in math and they think it's, you know, why, why even bother at this point? And they, they're not going to communicate that to you, but you have to always keep those things in mind. So that's, you know, that's where, that's how I deal with my kids.
0: Yeah. And is arguing similar? So I know that's the redirection. Do you, whenever somebody tries to argue with you, a kid in your class tries to argue, do you have that similar approach of approach it as, you know, they're a kid, they're having trouble communicating. I'm not going to engage emotionally with you.
1: And I don't argue. Yeah. All of those things. And I don't argue with students. You know, I let them know. And I I tell them that, you know, one of the the first time I, uh, the first time I mentioned that is going over the rules. Uh, When it comes to the uh, rule of, you know, no talking, I'm like, Hey, there's, you know, there's, there's no talking in, in school suspension. Um, if you need to ask a question or you need help with something, you raise your hand. If you need to get out of your seat for any reason, you raise your hand. Also, if you're turned around in your seat and you are making hand signals or facial expressions at another student, I will consider that uh, to be talking, and I will uh, give you a redirection, and I will document it. You can say, but I wasn't talking, sir, and I will just say, argue with your AP because I do not argue with students. That is my line when I go over. When I'm going over the rules, that is how I, I, I matter-of-factly tell them for... Uh, for when it comes to talking. So uh, I don't argue with them. If if it's starting to become an argument, I will just give the redirection. I'll explain why I gave the redirection. I'll write it down. And if they try to escalate or they try to argue, I just document what they're saying. Maybe give them some wait time if that's what they need. Sometimes you just need to let them get it out. If they want to say something back or give a little back talk, that's just junk behavior. If they say something under their breath, you know, it's not serving anything, but maybe they just needed it to save face. So if they're like, it's not so much an argument, but it's like I need to get in the last word before I turn around and comply and do what you're actually asking. I give a little bit of, uh, you know, I watch and, and see if that's what's happening. Because, you know, what, what's the point in myself coming back and arguing when if I just let them say whatever they were going to say real quick and then they're actually complying with what I want? They're, they're getting on task or whatever, then or they stop talking, and communicate, then, then that's, that's fine. That's great. You know, we don't need to go any further than that.
0: And what about work avoidance? I'm assuming that's uh, a top concern, something you see a lot. How do you handle work avoidance?
1: Yeah, I handle There's a few ways. I, I handle it every day. When it comes to independent work, that that's when it's it's a little more difficult. So I have a, uh, there's a couple strategies we have. Um, you can give them kind of a work rest. You know, hey, can we, you, you know, work five minutes, rest one, you know, one minute, you know, try to teach them that um, as, a, as a coping mechanism. Uh, so I try to teach also, you know, how they can self-regulate when it comes to doing work. Um, there's a, uh, my partner actually came up with a really awesome method I'd never uh, thought of before. He takes a sticky note and he writes, you know, question one with a little box next to it, question five, a little box next to it. And so after the, the student has completed each, you know, when they get to question one, they check the box and then they get a break. And then they get to question five, they check the box, get a break. So there's, there's some cool stuff that they can do with that. But a lot of what I handle, the way I handle work avoidance is, through uh just working one-on-one like I just call the kid to my desk so if I see a child who is struggling uh or just not you know they're not doing anything I'm not waiting for them to raise their hand you know I always let them know like hey believe it or not I'm a real teacher so I'm here to help you with you know all of your assignments you can just let me know um but I don't expect them to actually let me know I say that to them so that the door is open and some students will particularly your tier ones you know if they're you know Algebra students that are in eighth grade, uh, those higher achieving students, they're going to raise their hand if they have a question about something because that's what they're used to doing. They're used to those those types of behaviors serving them. Your other kids who typically end up in in in-school suspension uh, more than once a year, they're not going to do that. So I just look for signs, what I call an invisible hand being raised. So that's a student staring at you know the same question for five minutes, uh, nothing being accomplished, or uh, just kind of jumping around, you know, a different thing. I, I watch their, I monitor their activities. Uh, very closely. And then I'll just call them up. I'll be like, hey boss, bring your, uh, your, your Chromebook over here. Uh, sit down next to me. Uh, let's look at this assignment together. I don't give them a choice because I know that the, if I say, hey, do you need some help? They're just going to be like, no, I'm good. I got it. Uh, and that's not helpful for anybody. So I just tell them come on over. And, and then we sit next to each other. Nobody's ever like, no, I'm not going to come over there because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it for one when they're in a defiant or we're not in that crisis mode where we're dealing with a behavior that's we're just dealing with work avoidance and for that it's just like hey you weren't doing anything just come on over here and and let's talk for a minute they don't know why i'm calling them over there necessarily they'll bring their chromebook over or their their assignment and then we'll sit down and we'll talk about it and we'll start working through those problems one by one and that student may just need help getting started and then they go back and give me some independent work uh, or they may stay there for three hours. It depends on what the room looks like. If I've got, you know, just a couple kids in the room and most of them are working independently and, you know, I can spend a lot of time with that kid. If I've got uh, lots of hands being raised, uh, lots of, you know, uh, lots of need from the other kids and I've got maybe 12 kids in the room, then it's different. So I might have to just get them started and then get them out of there, get them back to doing some independent work, but let them know that I'm going to, you know, be able to, to work to have them come back in a, in a couple minutes, hopefully, or, or maybe an hour, just depending on what the need is.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, Jonathan, what's one action or strategy you hope every school leader takes away from this conversation today?
1: Uh, the, uh, for them to uh, visit my website and contact me and set up a professional development workshop. Um, I really would love to do that because, like I said, you know, uh, you know, reading the book is helpful. Having some in-person training really is crucial for these folks who, who need it because there really isn't one. And also, you know, when we do these workshops, we require that at least, you know, one administrator, somebody who's preferably the person who's over ISS, can be in there to support so that they know what to look for when they enter the room uh, to see what the ISS teacher needs support with. If it's, you know, if that's with redirecting, if that's with winning the morning, Uh, the admin needs to know what to look for, uh, you know, what milestones to so that they can help train that person as well and say, hey, can we work on this this week? Or, Or sometimes it's just an accountability issue. You might have somebody in there who's just, wanting to take it as an easy gig and they thought it was going to be an easy gig because you could just sit there and you don't have to worry about grading and then you need to motivate that person in a different way. So uh, that's what I'm looking for but ultimately um, just uh, really you need to start thinking about your in-school suspension room as a possible tool for uh, behavior management on your campus and academic support. It can be so much more than what it is or it can be really harmful. And that's, that's what you really need to do is, is, is take a look at your in-school suspension room and say, you know, okay, is this something that is helping us or is this something that is, is almost, you know, probably harming us if it's not, you know, if it's, if it's not really supportive or it's, you know, letting, if it's rewarding, especially if it's rewarding negative behaviors. And then ask yourself, you know, how am I going to get it to be where it needs to be? You know, do I need to reach out to, you know, the art, of, the art of ISS or do, you know, is this something I could just implement some policies of my own? Is it, you know, what is, what is the level of need there? Contact me. I can tell you.
0: Yeah, that's great. And what's one celebration you have you want to share with the audience?
1: This year, my uh, protege, so to speak, is running an in-school uh, suspension program that is just killing it. Over at a Title I school, it's amazing. People have called it beautiful, and uh, he's taken what I taught him, and uh, he's just he's turned it into something. I he's improved upon it in many ways, even. So it's just really amazing uh, what the the possibilities are once you give folks uh, a, a, a roadmap to follow. You know, something that they can actually go in and implement on day one instead of just uh, throwing them in there and, and hoping that they'll be okay.
0: And Jonathan, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out?
1: So I would go to the website, uh, www.theartofiss.com. And there's a contact page on there. All of that goes directly to me. So just, you know, shoot me a, an email or just, you know, fill out the contact. Just uh, I'll get back to you fairly quickly. Uh, again, that's just www.theartofiss.com. And then you can uh, find the book on Amazon, It's the art of in-school suspension, a discipline program to benefit staff and students.
0: Yeah, appreciate that very much. And Jonathan, thanks for joining me today. I know it's really early where you are. Hope you have a wonderful day and thanks for all you're doing for the teachers and the students through your ISS work. Thank you. This has been the Employee Experience in Education podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks and have a wonderful day.